Front and center with Sean and Jules. Welcome to Sin Nation. You're listening to your favourite radio hosts once again. It's Sean and Jules are in the evening. How are you going, Sean? I'm going pretty well. How are you? Jules, had a good week? I've had a great week, Sean. This show was just called The Best Show on Radio by Hamish and Andy. Oh, How awesome yeah. is that? That is... Uh, Except uh, it was in my dreams last night, oh, Sean. Oh. Don't bring me down like that, Jules. Got One day. Really <laughs> One day it'll happen. Oh, we'll get there. Thanks to our trusty uh, listeners. If you're out there enjoying your Thursday night, chuck us a message on Facebook. Facebook, let us know what you're up to. We'll uh, hopefully give you a little shout-out on the radio. Uh, that's front and centre on Facebook. Jules, another week at uni. Another week at uni. My lecturer was using some flashy AF transitions this week, Sean. Oh, yeah. Like, out of nowhere, he was just doing all this diagrammatic stuff on the on the big screen with all these balls flying everywhere. It was, it was nuts. I, I, it definitely woke me up because I was falling asleep. Oh, Keep, kept the energy going. I had a pretty interesting experience at uni yesterday as well. Yep. We're at Melbourne Uni. Got mm-hmm. a bit of a... <laughs> Number one uni in Australia, recently re-elected. Uh, everybody knows that as well. <laughs> but I'm in a chute, a marketing chute. And what do we do? We rank unis <laughs> on a prestigious access. <laughs> axes? Oh, yeah, I can't I'm teach not, you plain. I'm not a maths person. Anyway, we are ranking sh- unis based on their prestige, and I was like, this is just such a Melbourne Uni moment. It was trying to give us a point of how we view brands, but anyway, I was just, everyone in the tree was just absolutely cringing. That was, uh, when you sent me that Snapchat, I could not stop laughing, because like you said, such a Melbourne thing to be like, yeah, our prestige and theory were in the top end of both, yeah. <laughs> We've got an absolutely packed show for you We've got tonight. a lot to talk about. As usual, we'll start off talking to some, uh, talking about some pretty interesting news. Wait till you hear about this week's theme for the news. The news and gets better that, and better every week. After that, we're talking to the guys behind Crepes for Change, another awesome social enterprise. A couple of weeks ago, we spoke to Homie, a mm. uh, great group of guys uh, trying to um, help out with homelessness in Melbourne. We've got another group uh, doing that today. Uh, shout out to Jacko for guessing uh, our guests for this evening. We gave a bit of a cryptic clue on our Facebook. Cryptic. The clue was a social enterprise that specialises in French desserts. <laughs> so if you know anything about Melbourne, you could have guessed it. <laughs> not sure how many social enterprises out there specialise in French desserts, but these guys do. Liam and Dan Poole, a couple of brothers, they'll be joining us. About 20 minutes. In about 20 minutes, yeah. so uh, stick around. And if you missed our show, Homie, a couple of weeks ago, another social enterprise dealing with homelessness, like Sean just said, you can chuck, um, check that out on our SIN page or through our Facebook, like Sean said, front and centre, or Twitter, front, centre, S-Y, N, and you got another four shows to catch up on. So you got another couple of hours of great Sean and Jules of goodness. Also, uh, in term, when we talk about Craze for Change, a bit of a shout out to Rebecca, one of our biggest fans who's from RMIT, said the best day of my uni life was the band Crepes playing whilst eating Crepes for Change. 100% true story. What an absolute story. Oh, that's what we love to hear. Putin fishing and hugging sedated polar bears. You're listening to Front and Centre with Sean and Jules are on Sin Nation. We're back and we're here at the new segment. Some going to be storing some crazy unheard of news you guys Sean and I are very excited about this one we we actually found this one more than three hours before the show like we normally do oh we were so <laughs> organized today we didn't know what to do with ourselves we actually <laughs> planned for the show and then got some uni work in yeah we had an oh. hour to spare which is very very unusual for us anyway Jules uh, we like to theme our mm. news segments mm. and there's a few weird things going on in Europe that's at today's the moment. theme weird things happening in Europe 
Oh, so heaps of tourists in Europe at the moment. Absolutely heaps. I know heaps of friends over there. And one city, quite frankly, has just had enough of it. Take a listen to this, Jules. I'm listening. Barcelona attracts millions of holidaymakers each year, but some locals are growing fed up with tourists. In late July, a group of masked men targeted an open-top tour bus, slashing its tires and scrawling graffiti onto its side. The message in Catalan read, Tourism kills neighborhoods. As in Barcelona, many in Mallorca seem to have become allergic to tourists, even as the island lives off the industry. Allergic to tourists. I'm allergic to Sean. I can't <laughs> imagine being allergic to tourists all the time. <sighs> but, yeah, there have just been absolute tons of protests all over Europe. Barcelona, Venice, Dubrovnik, everywhere against tourism. And it's so weird because those, those, state, those states, those cities live on tourism. The main protests have been in uh, Barcelona and Mallorca. In Spain, there has been just... Oh, but they're saying there's, there's tourism phobia. <laughs> tourism phobia in Spain... They're salsering their way through the streets. Oh. Um, keep, keep playing, yeah. Um, they're, 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 no, they're marching through the streets. Barcelona is the 20th most visited city in the world. They're slashing tyres. They're, they're just angry. They're, they're overcrowded. Locals can't get to their, their supermarkets they shop at. They can't go to the bars that they want to have dinners at. They just they, they can't do anything. They can't move. Oh, the situation has gotten so bad. You may not have heard this, but they have been lining up the beach, these tourists, blocking... Uh, these Sorry, the locals, blocking tourists from getting in the beach in Barcelona. They've had enough. I'm talking posters saying, Tourists, you are the terrorists. Stop destroying our lives. Ah, oh, Jules, I never th- knew tourists could be so dangerous, quite well, frankly. it's funny because you, you don't really realise when you're there, when you're soaking up the sun, having a good time, but when you really get down to it... <laughs> this was Sean's idea with the Spanish music. Best idea of the show, hands down. Um, yeah, I mean, when you really think about it, I mean, things like Airbnb, it's a problem here in Australia as well. They're just driving up the housing prices and rent prices. Locals are getting shuffled out. They've got, they've got posters saying um, stuff like, yeah, tourism, housing pushes out families because it's true people are getting evicted so then the landlords can increase the rent because Airbnb is just incredibly way way more, more profitable for them. I mean when you look at the stats 2012 yeah. uh, there was 27 million tourists who visited Barcelona every year. That every is now year. that is now 34 million an increase of over 25%. It is the 20th most visited city in the world and the locals have had enough. They want them gone. They're destroying the city. They actually are. They're being disruptive. Like in Croatia in Havar the party island the mayor there is saying that he's vowing to stop all the British British tourists that are disrupting and they're too they're partying too hard and they're you know it's it's a party island and the locals there just don't like it anymore. Same thing's going on in Venice. What are we oh, seeing in Venice, Venice Jules? Sean, one of your favourite cities. What's going on with I the tourists Venice. over there? It's my favourite place in the world and it makes me so sad to think this. I feel like crying 100%. <laughs> What's the tourist situation in Venice, Jules? Similar thing. Dozens of protests. They've got um, they got protests and they've got days like no big boats days throughout the year. They have over 20 million visitors in a year. Sean, how many, do you know how many residents there are in Venice? Uh, a few hundred thousand? 55,000. 55! And on the daily in peak peak season, there's about 60,000 tourists just pouring onto the islands. That can't that, be healthy for a city that's used to having, like, living with 55,000 people to just double the intake per day. Per day, like, out, out of nowhere. And, you know, Venice is, is a very, what's the word, um, very sensitive ecosystem. Yeah. It's in a lagoon. It's everyone you know, seeking into the Adriatic yeah. and stuff like that. Um, they don't need those uh, <laughs> extra bodies just pushing it down further. Yeah, exactly. Would that work? 
I think so. Doubling the mass on the Venice just sinking in. Anyway. I don't know. Look, it's completely understandable. I uh, may not have heard uh, that a, but a baby dolphin unfortunately died after being passed around by tourists in Spain recently. And it happened not too long ago as well in Argentina in February 2016. I see these news stories pop up every now and then with um, people getting these tourists being absolute idiots and handing around a baby dolphin to take selfies with it and then it dies because it gets heat stroke because, you know, it's a dolphin. It's supposed to stay in the water. <sighs> Nothing wrong with travelling, guys, but do it responsibly. Now, Jules, we're covered it's destroying, off... Just destroying cities. And it's true, Venice, um, I think it's destroying the environment in a lot of these cities as well. Um, yeah, rubbish just, and yeah, whatnot. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Over to, we're going to jump on the plane or the train. I prefer trains. We're going to jump on the train oh, now. Why would you prefer trains? Trains are just peaceful oh, planes as quicker. Cheap. No, no. Anyway. Oh, what are you doing? Jules, now we're in Germany. We're what's, in Germany. What's going on in Germany? What is this bloke doing? Sean, have you ever felt the need to swim to work? Uh, no, I have never. <laughs> I guess you can't really swim, swim from the eastern suburbs into, into Melbourne for work. Well, you could on the Yarra. That's true, but yeah. that's dirty. Yeah. Apparently, apparently, the main river that goes through Munich isn't so dirty because there is a man in Munich who believes that traffic is so bad that he's not taking public transport, he's not driving, he's putting on a wetsuit, putting his laptop and stuff in a waterproof bag, <laughs> and just rides the current down to work. Oh, just jumps down like this is. Oh, I saw a video of this. It's a massive picture of the Yarra in <laughs> Munich. Like it's a massive river. Like the many, Yarra in Munich. Like the Yarra many in Munich. cities have, and he just jumps in the morning. Uh, goes with the current, 12 minutes and he's at work. I don't know uh, what the how long it would have taken him in traffic, but I'd say it's a lot quicker. But logistically, you're getting out in a wetsuit. That's not really work attire. <laughs> Go to work, have a shower. Obviously, a shower must have a work. But did you even find out what shower, what, 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 what he does? Uh, no. Stop finding cracks in my research, Jules, <laughs> please. I just really want to know exactly the logistics of it. Like, does he go in, have a shower, put some gel in his hair? Because he got his suit in his waterproof bag it's, as well. It's quite inspiring. I mean, fitness is really important. So, oh, uh, mm. look, good on him for keeping fit. The uh, Germans but- are always uh, very, what's the word? I'm lost for words tonight, Sean. Yeah, you're very innovative. You're, you're struggling. They're but, very um, innovative. So he's just coming up with with the better way of doing things every day. Compared to Melbourne, I mean, I would not be swimming in the Yarra anytime no soon. I know the history of the Yarra way too badly to way too well to, <laughs> to swim in it. Nice and close to Germany, we've got some weird things going on in Belgium. It's an <laughs> annual event. This is my favourite story of the I've, day. I've never heard about this being uh, told to Australian audiences through our papers, so you're welcome, listeners, that we are bringing it to your ears. Correct in us. In Belgium, in a town called Melmody, mm-hmm. they have an annual event where they make a giant omelette. How many eggs do you reckon be in a giant omelette, Jules? A thousand? Two thousand? Maybe three? Ten thousand eggs. Ten thousand. Sean just spit all over the microphones, <laughs> exclaiming that ten grand, ten thousand eggs go into this mammoth omelette. It feeds the entire town. And Sean, I mean, that's just know, ridiculous. Do you want to know what the name of this group is? What's the name <laughs> of the omelette making group? The Worldwide Fraternity of the Omelette. <laughs> what a to- what a name! I feel like they're in like a Marvel movie. I feel like they're a Marvel bad guys, and uh, Thor's is going to burst in there, and they're going to be evil laughing, eating their massive ass omelette. Look, there's actually a bit of a background story here. Uh, several Dutch and Belgian. Poultry producers have come under fire recently oh. because of, or they're under investigation for some potentially dodgy eggs. So uh, this is a bit of a stance. We've gone, uh, look, we're going to show you how good our eggs are. We're going to use 10,000 of them, make a massive omelette, feed the whole town. You know what the European town's like, 10,000 eggs omelette. Feed everybody. No one's going to get sick. Everyone's going to be fine. 
Ah, Trust our eggs. That's a great way of mm. proving, of sort of taking out the health inspector, I guess. Oh, so just get around the uh, worldwide fraternity of the omelette. This this event this year is especially important for the worldwide fraternity of the omelette <laughs> because it will literally, like Sean said, allow them to, I guess, keep this going and you know not get kicked off because of their terrible eggs. Oh, another week of unheard of news covered. Another week of unheard of news. I was not surprised with the tourism thing. I mean, like like you said, sure, we've both done a lot of traveling, and especially during summer, you just see people crowding the crap out of places. And I mean, it's just Melbourne, no surprise that they're finally taking some backlash. Melbourne and Sydney are getting increasingly, increasingly crowded. Oh, the traffic's terrible. Even yeah. in the eastern, I live like far eastern suburbs, and the traffic in the mornings is the worst. I'd hate to be living in a European city where they've got, especially places like Italy, where the, you know. Traffic's pretty chaotic as it's it is. It's all about being more responsible global citizens. I'll tell you who are some responsible global citizens. Who, our, Sean? Our guests who are coming up next. Oh. We are going to be having a chat to Liam and Dan Apool, founders of Crepes for Change. We are continuing our efforts uh, in the radio sphere to highlight the achievements of amazing young people. These guys are pretty young. They're doing some pretty cool things, and they will be hitting your digital airwaves. Hey, Julesa, are you ready to inspire a whole nation of young people? Let's do it. You're listening to Front and Center on Sid Nation with Sean and Julesa. Welcome back. Like we said, we're in the most inspiring part of our show now, Sean. We're about to start talking with Crepes for Change. I'm pretty excited. Yeah, we've joined now with Liam and Dan Poole, Melbourne-based brothers who started Crepes for Change. Fellas, welcome to uh, Front and Center. Thanks for having us, guys. You guys have done an absolute ton. I mean... A statistic show that there are over 40,000 young people experiencing homelessness, and you guys are really doing your best to alleviate it. In 2015, you ran your first crowdfunding campaign to build the kitchen on wheels. Uh, in a year and a half, you made 100k in revenue. You've pledged 20k to launch housing. You've sold over 16,000 crepes, more than 170 grams of Nutella. Talk about chocolate addictions in Melbourne. <laughs> guys, you're, you're, you're doing so many crazy things. What exactly is Crepes for Change? Just tell us what it does. Well, basically, Crepes to Change, we are 100% not-for-profit social enterprise where we operate like a business to keep ourselves up and running, but we donate like a charity. Um, some people call it the evolution of charity. Um, basically, we roll around Melbourne to any event that's, that's going, that people are going to be there. Um, we sell crepes, make a profit, and then we donate it to change people's lives. Yeah, it sort of started because Liam and I, just going through high school, always worked in hospitality ventures and just wanted to get something started for ourselves. Um, and we thought that this was a great opportunity. We we're both still at uni to actually do something that we love, which is hospitality, come together, work with our mates, but also have a difference at the same time. Um, and I mean, you asking us before, like, is this sort of the side thing? Like, I'm just about f to finish up a law degree. And I don't know, I'd never really thought about that before, but I think it... It started off as a side thing, but it's kind of more and more become the main thing in my life, really. I think helping people is a really addictive thing. Like, once you start doing it, you kind of can't stop. So from Crepes to Change, like, that's sort of, that was the plan. Like, it was just going to be the crepe fan. Uh, we didn't anticipate that it would snowball like it did. Uh, a year later, we started up the Coffee Cart Changing Lives, uh, which is a, essentially the same thing, but with a bit more of a focus on actually employing people rather than just on raising funds. Uh, we're actually just about to launch a cafe in Brunswick in October. Um, completely different concept, though, not, not crepes. It's uh, bagels and porridge and coffee. Exciting. You guys are touching all bases. How do you have time to just, like, live? <laughs> like, so much going on. You must, you must be pretty busy. Yeah, you've got to be um, pretty organised is the only thing. Um, but, I mean, 
sort of it works because we have such a great team behind us um, and of course none of it would be possible without Liam like Liam runs all of the events in the crepe van at the moment so literally none of it would happen if he wasn't on board um, I just kind of are in the back you know doing the emails and making sure everything's ticking along uh, and kind of thinking of like the next big idea that's sort of like where my passion lies did you what? realize sorry Jules did you realize Melbourne would be so crazy for crepes not at all. Um, I mean, when, when we jumped into it, like we were just working in small cafes and, and here and there stuff. The crepes always kind of came second, even in the cafes that were dedicated to crepes. Um, but with us, it just popped off. You know, we're doing crepes at weddings, at birthdays, at schools, at unis, everything. Wow. What, yeah. what, what settled, what, what, when did you guys choose crepes as the, as the main sort of selling point, I guess? Uh, I guess that was just like our evolution of we we wanted to go out and do something ourselves and at the time that's what we were doing. Um, Dan had been in the crepe industry essentially uh, for a few <laughs> years leading up to that. Um, I'd been in a few years after he got into it so it yeah, was just what we were up to. I just sort of accidentally pigeonholed myself into the, becoming a crepe expert just from working in creperies. Like we both lived in France and I just wanted to keep speaking French so I started working in one creperie and started working in another one and before I knew it that's kind of all I had on my CV. Yeah, <laughs> just crepe obsessed. Would you mind sharing us the secret to a good crepe or is that just going to mess up your business model? No, it's, it's just got to be really thin. Um, I mean, ideally it's cooked... Uh, like crispy to the outside but softer on the inside um, and then depending on what your toppings are you've got to balance it up so it's never soggy um, but it's also never don't tell too them crispy secret, don't tell them the secret ingredient is it love? <laughs> it, that's, what, that's ingredient number two there's two uh, secret ingredients that's definitely the secret ingredient is just uh, is it a secret kiss from a French girl? Uh, <laughs> gave you guys a secret power of crate making? Yeah, keep oh. a stock of French girls in the van <laughs> oh we're getting seriously sidetracked look at the end of the day you guys are using these crepes and coffee as a way to help young homeless people uh, why, where did that all come from? Why, why did you choose to uh, help young homeless people? Yeah, um, well, I think one of the biggest and best social enterprises in Melbourne, I believe, is Street. Um, so they were a huge inspiration for me. Um, when I was just studying in high school, I used to study at State Library and Street have a cafe across the road in Melbourne Central. Um, and I used to just go in there and get a coffee because I was, you know, trying to get through my exams and was completely addicted to caffeine. So I was there every day, started, you know, being friends with the people who were working there, as you do when you go to a, ca a cafe every day. Um, and then one day they told me that, like, they all used to be homeless, the people who were working there. Um, and I realized that the first thing that struck me was that I thought, but they're so normal. Um, and in saying that, I realized how messed up of a thought that was because why shouldn't they be normal? Um, and I realized that I had all these preconceived notions. So that kind of that got me thinking about it. But it wasn't until a few years later um, that we had this idea for just a social enterprise generally. And then we like there's so many the causes that I care about, the environment, refugees, uh, whatever it is. But we, at the end of the day, we had to pick one. Um, and so that was something that was has always been had always been ticking away in the back of my mind. So we chose that. Yeah. What? Uh, what does Crave for Change do specifically to sort of, I guess, dispel those preconceived notions, those stereotypes? Yeah. Um, we try and raise awareness as much as we can. Um, we do a lot of outreach events, uh, say, with organisations like 300 Blankets, where we go out in the street and actually sit down and have chats with homeless people. Um, and, you know, just through getting people on board as volunteers, like we have probably 30 volunteers at any one time, and that's sort of rotating over. Um, that's the way we sort of do it. But we, I wouldn't say we go out and try and, like, spread the word about it too much. Like, it just sort of is inherently a part of what we do, I guess. 
Now, how do you start a social enterprise from scratch? You know, if any listeners, you know, maybe they've got an idea, but they just don't really know how to get it running. What What would you say to them? Yeah. Do you want to so I'd, I'd first and foremost suggest uh, approaching the community, reaching out, tell them your idea, ask for help, do what we did. We started a crowdfunding campaign looking for around $5,000. Within a few weeks, we bumped our target up to seven and a half and then up again and up again. Um, we ended up raising, what, $12,500 or something that wow. we just didn't see coming. No, and that was like, just the, what, the community, really. What we, what we sort of envisaged was like some tiny little crappy cart like that we'd take out to St Kilda Beach. Um, and then when we saw like the support that we were getting behind us, we sort of thought, hang on, we're going to actually be able to create like a proper food truck. This is going to be awesome. Um, and that's a really great way of getting getting it started. And also like building a big following behind you before you've even done anything is by running a crowdfunding campaign. Yeah, I mean, Homie said the same thing. Mm. They started off with a crowdfunding campaign, and I didn't even think that was how... It makes a lot of sense now that I think about it, but yeah. before, it didn't, didn't even come to my mind that crowdfunding yeah. would be how you actually can start this uh, such a good uh, business. You sort of realise how important crowdfunding is, like you said. It sort of gets some... I guess it gets the word out there and it gets um, the word spreading, and then was it a big launch event? Um do we even have a launch event? Yeah, we had we had like family friends launch event basically oh, yeah, um, locally in St Kilda in an iconic bar, the Dogs Bar. Um, so it was just a really fun night. We did you know free crepes or like crepes on donation, try and raise our last little kick. Um, yeah, so it wasn't a big one. It was nice and small within the community. Yeah. Now, how important awesome. is it? Like it's all good and well to have this great idea to get a social enterprise up and running, but how important is it to actually have a business model? that will work and be viable and how do you how do you get that as a young person um honestly i think we got so lucky like i say this all the time to people when they ask us about crepes of change they're like oh you must have had like some big like business plan where you like planned out every money detail but small loan of a million (laughs) dollars oh yeah no we we just winged it completely and we got very lucky um it could have gone horribly wrong and we're very lucky that it didn't but I don't know, it's going back to what you said before about did we anticipate that it would work so well. I think it was just like, in some ways, like the right being in the right place at the right time. Like food trucks are really popular in Melbourne. People are getting more and more socially conscious. And, you know, it's just like if you're going to get a food truck to your wedding, you may as well get a not-for-profit one. Uh, but, yeah, having, having a solid business model is really important. Um, and for us, I mean, it's easy being a food truck because you just go to the events that are good. Otherwise, you just don't go to them, really. It's not yeah. like being in a shop where you're stuck and once you've committed, you have to open every day. And you just that find might... the people. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. But how do, you, how, how do you get that business model, though? Like, what yeah. brings that to you? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, like, you have a good product that people like and a good vision and have, like, a face behind it. Like, we well, we don't have, like, one face, but we have our, our team that we try and promote. It's like, this is the people that are behind Crepes of Change and trying to, like, do what we do. Um, and honestly, we rely like pretty heavily on Facebook. We just like um, post things and people follow us. And I think we've all been amazed at how much people are just getting behind us and wanting to support us. So we've never really struggled to be to book events. You're listening to Front and Center with Sean and Jules are on Sin Nation. We're still here, everyone. We're still having a good old time with Liam and Dan from Craves for Change. How you going, guys? Yeah, well, well, guys. We've got to ask, what sort of made you guys choose to focus specifically on the youth homelessness? Like, what challenges, I guess, confront young people mm. that are especially unique? Yeah, well, I think, like, seeing the statistics, for one, seeing that there's, you know, over 40,000 young people, you know, our age, that instead of doing amazing things like getting to sit in at radio stations and make your own you know like projects 
um, they're struggling to survive, feed themselves and, and sleep at night. You know, it's heartbreaking. And to grow up in St Kilda in an area where you see it every day while you're on your way to school or while you're on your way to work, um, yeah, it, really, it, it doesn't really leave you um, once you've started to think about it properly. Um, and it was, yeah, a, a, just a, a crazy thing that needs to change in our society. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting, like, the more you kind of, like, get into it, the more you realise that sort of, like, the biggest heart, the biggest things to solve about youth homelessness are, like, not at all what you would expect. Like, one of the biggest ones is, like, a lack of confidence that they've been told they're worth nothing their entire lives. So that's what they believe, and that's really hard to, like, get help somebody to get over. So it's not that they're, like, dumb or that they're, like poor necessarily it's often just like things like that they've been abused they've had a terrible life and you just got to like help them like you know instill them with a sense of confidence that they can actually do something with their lives things like that yeah how do you guys how do you guys reckon it creates for change i guess help them realize that they can do that yeah oh liam's great at that um and (laughs) some of the other people who work in the van um recently we've started because we have a big partnership with a charity called launch housing um, who work with homeless young people or people who used to be homeless um, and we've just recently started employing them in the crepe van uh, and that's great because like we go to heaps of cool events like welcome to thornbury and music festivals and things like that so we get them down and it's always with like liam or, and like another volunteer or two um, and it's all just about having a fun time so it's about showing them like they can make money like they're all getting paid when they're with us and also that we can just like be friends and like we're, we're treating them normally which for a lot of like homeless people like they that might not be a normal thing like people who are actually living on the streets they might go weeks without actually having a conversation with with people where people are, t- are treating them normally now you touched on uh launch housing how important is it for a social enterprise to have these partnerships do you kind of is that how you can see the tangible yeah effect? definitely yeah i think it's it's kind of like your backbone it's your credibility it's um it's showing people that you you really are making a difference you're going out there you're trying your hardest to make something work and you're not just going we can do everything ourselves you know you're looking for help you're trying to pair up and make it the best way to achieve your goals you know mm-hmm. that's and also like i think liam touched on it a bit earlier but i think it's a bit of a symbiotic relationship between like a charity and like a social enterprise or a for-profit business because a charity like relies on government grants and things to stay afloat whereas we're like bringing the money um so but we also don't have the capacity often to like know what's the best way of spending that money in order to have the best impact so it works really well and i think that that like liam was saying it's like the people say it's the future of charity and i really think it is i think charities more and more are like starting to develop um, business models because like they need that because they can't just rely on government grants or donations that's incredible you guys sort of like you said symbiotic you're helping each other out ultimately you kind of just create this even bigger success than what you guys would be by yourselves yeah totally. yeah so just i guess the social uh corporation i guess really helps it get along yeah the yep. people power yeah awesome uh could you talk could you expand a bit more on what exactly the launch housing project that you guys are partnered with is yeah, for sure. Um, so Launch Housing, they're amazing. They run two youth foyers um, in Melbourne where they just get young people, they live they live there for two years and then they get support after. And that gets heaps of government funding, but what they don't have funding for is what happens after they leave the youth foyers. The government just basically won't fund that. Um, so that's what we do. Um, we help them transition into their first place. So we find them a house. Um, usually there's two of them living there and we sort of subsidise their rent over the year. So we pay like 70% to begin with, but by the end of the year, they're paying for 100% of it. Um, and that has an 80% chance of of them never going back to homelessness again. So huge, uh, huge results. And it's actually not that expensive to run either. 
That's incredible. Yeah, that's just uh, fantastic. And then you brought in uh, coffee carts, coffee, the coffee cart changed yep. your lives. How did that kind of fit into the whole business and how does it work? Sort of like more about employment, I suppose. So we're trying to find a location for it to be set up permanently. We actually might be bringing it to RMIT, where we're sitting right now. Ah. Um, <laughs> but to, to, to be honest, at the moment, we're focusing mainly on Home One, which is a cafe we're opening in October. But we, one thing I really want to do is from day one to have like shifts available for young people from launch housing to come in, um, you know, start them out if they're not confident, just like doing prep, things like that, gradually work their way onto the till when they feel more confident speaking to people, um, and use that as a sort of um, a platform for them to like have enough money to pay their rent and then go and do whatever they want to do with their lives. Now, fellas, I've seen a bit of a theme amongst your social enterprises. You've got the uh, crops of change and coffee cart changing oh, lives. No. <laughs> You've uh, chosen a lot of words starting with C. You've been planning this one all day. <laughs> this is all on the spot. A lot of words starting with C <laughs> and then also having a really good impact on society. When are you going to start coconuts for climate change? Yes, I like it. That's no, how'd you know? Oh, no. <laughs> Have you been hacking our emails? <laughs> giving away the next venture. Oh, that's all right. No. Um, how, so, like, how do you guys, I guess, um, get? How's like, how do you get involved in in Crazy for Change? How do you get volunteering? Um, basically, just reach out to us. Most people get involved uh, through Facebook, I guess, um, and then just through other volunteers, people that they know, meet who are involved or who have been. Um, lots of young people are trying to get some experience doing stuff, especially in hospitality, coming out of high school, trying to get work, jump in the van with us and, and do a few shifts, get some basic training, get a great recommendation for another job. So Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's super flexible. Like anyone can just jump on board. We literally just add them to our Facebook group where we post all our events and they can just like say when they want to come down, get to hang out with us, eat crepes. You get to eat as many crepes as you want. I'm <laughs> on board. Yes. <laughs> Generally. Let's do it. No, I, saw, I saw the card at... Um, Melbourne Uni the other day, actually. I was just oh, walking true. past. And, oh, we're having a chat to them in a couple of weeks. So that was pretty cool. Nice. She was about to run up and be like, are you guys coming in our show or not? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is great. No, I would definitely call it that. <laughs> All right, my mate Jules is doing one of his laugh attacks. You're listening to Front and Centre with Sean and Jules are on Sin Nation. That was another classic... Jules are moment, absolutely dying of laughter. I'm sure it's going to happen again during this quick fire round, which is coming right up into the sec. But first, we've got a few shout-outs to our loyal, loyal listeners. Yeah, i got a few messages coming in on the Facebook. Keep them coming front and centre on Facebook. Chuck us a message. Let us know what you're up to. Uh, I've got a shout-out here to old mate Anthony Craythorn, who wants us to play Scott Green. Unfortunately, we're we not We don't gonna, take some requests. Yeah, we're not, we're not going to do that. And uh, he wanted me to shout-out uh, Luke O'Hara. And uh, hi, Harry Boucher, who's having a... Very uh, casual night at home. Jules, you've got a also, very special one. Also, shout out to Ariane, who apparently is listening with her entire family. She says she's got front and centre flags and T-shirts. <laughs> I didn't realise we were that popular, but I guess we all get our stalkers, don't we, Sean? Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> impressive. Look, we are here with Liam and Dan Poole. If you've missed the last 20 minutes, uh, well, I'm sorry, quite frankly. Because it's been uh, a great show. <laughs> it's been a great show. We've been uh, trying to inspire young people all season for the last month. And uh, these guys have started a social enterprise, uh, Crepes for Change, and then the Coffee Cart Changing Lives, trying to ease uh, homelessness situation around Melbourne. Fellas, having a good time this evening? 
Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, it's about to get a whole lot better. <laughs> I hope you're ready for yeah. the the quick fire round. Jules, I thought you'd get better at those sound effects as we went through the. Uh... We had this discussion last week, Sean. We had this discussion last <laughs> I week. I just wanted to highlight how bad they are getting. Fellas, this is where we we uh, lighten the situation a bit. We've highlighted your amazing achievements. Now we're going to highlight your ability to think on the spot. We're going to ask you some hilarious questions, especially picked from our massive list of hilarious questions. Guys, if you <laughs> Are you were... guys ready? Oh. Yeah. All right. Question one. If you were to eat one food for the rest of your life, would it be crepes? Oh, no. No way. Man, I don't even eat crepes anymore. I don't eat it. Too yeah. many events where there's nothing else to eat and you have to eat like five crepes just to fill yourself well, up. And, yeah. Sick of it. It's free. What, what would it be? What would the food be? What would the food be? I don't know. Do you, do you eat crepes? Nah, I only eat them when I have to, basically. I mean, I mean, they're almost every day. They are actually really good. doesn't sound like we're selling the product, yeah. but they are, they oh, are so good. So, take my own crepes, guys. <laughs> avoid, avoid. Avoid the crepes. So, you don't know what the food would be, but definitely oh. wouldn't be crepes. Any ideas? I reckon a pasta. Yeah. You know, some you know what? Um, I love bagels. I told you that cafe we're starting. That's bagels. We're pretty much creating the cafe that we want to go to because I just I love like bagels. It. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Why not? Just if you can't, if you can't join them, beat them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> it. Much. All right. Next up, if you guys were to change your names to something French, what would they be? <laughs> Ooh, my name would be Tion. Yes. Oh, Tion. I'd change my name to Crepe. It's Crepe. Oh, yes. <laughs> crepe pool. Crepe pool. <laughs> I like that. Imagine just a pool of crepes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Diving, I guess you got to stick a crepe so The last place you dive into is, is a pool of crepes. <laughs> I feel bad. We've got another crepe question here. We're just it's a crepe theme. It's a crepe, it's a crepe and French theme. Uh, a quick fire yeah. round. <laughs> yeah. If you were a crepe flavour... What would it be? Ooh. What would you say? I'm going to let Liam answer first. I reckon I'd be chocolate strawberries. Mm. Yeah. Mm. The classic? Yeah. Classic and it's delicious. Nutella mm. or like some like nice... I'd go, I'd go chocolate over Nutella. Melted chocolate? Oh, yeah. there's a difference? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We yeah. do a, a melted dairy chocolate just straight up. Mm. Yeah. I guess hazelnuts mm. are different to milk chocolate. Yeah, yeah. they are jewels. <laughs> they are absolutely different. <laughs> uh, no, it's kind of hard to reduce your entire personality into a crepe flavour, but uh, I don't know. Don't get Chocolate too... strawberries are so boring. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> wow, getting lawyer on us now. Don't get too lawyery on us, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd go for like Snickers or something, like something a little bit more interesting. A bit crazy, a bit nuts. Hopefully. Yeah, a bit nuts. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I like nice. it. Well, this, wasn't, yes. this isn't one of the questions, but I just remembered that last week we asked... Uh, our special guest, if um, savoury muffins were okay. Oh. So, guys, are savoury crepes okay? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. do you do them? We, we do, do, them. do them from time to time, yeah, and often getting requests for them when we're not. So Yeah, mm. I know. Does it seem weird to you? Because, like, for us, we're so used to the concept, but is the idea of a savoury crepe? I don't like savoury crepes because I just think they taste kind of weird. I think, like, I'm um, yeah. here for something sweet. But, like, yeah. I can understand... The appeal of having a savoury crepe, I guess. Like I had, I had a savoury yeah. crepe once with like prosciutto in it, and I was yeah. like, "This is weird." It was yeah. really nice, but I'm yeah. like, "Oh no, no, <laughs> yeah. give me what some Nutella." It's a bit conflicting. I've I've actually never tried one. I've always just gone the just get me a crepe, fill it yeah. with ice cream, banana, chocolate, and uh, strawberries. Yeah. But I'm I'm pretty keen to to try one out. Not give gonna it a lie. Go. Maybe we'll come past. But we're not done with the quick fire round yet. Next up, what is your favourite dance move? Oh. Favorite dance move? Man, I can't do any dance moves. <laughs> I definitely don't know the names. Oh, actually, no, I do. The bend and snap. My friend told me how to do it, and I can't actually do it. You can't, you can't see this obviously because it's radio, but I'm doing it right now. <laughs> oh, it, it was a great, it was a great bend and snap, everyone. <laughs> how about you, uh, Liam? Oh, I reckon just letting loose on the dance floor, just closing your eyes and not worrying dance. about it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, I like a bit of interpretive dance. Yeah. Who's the better van driver? 
Uh, I'm going to go with Liam. Yeah, definitely oh. me. Dan, oh, I would Dan, say definitely. Dan can't reverse. <laughs> by slim bro. margin, by slim oh, margin. Can't reverse. Yeah. That could be a problem. Not being able to reverse. Dan, Dan goes from straight being just real nice, like, oh, you know, I'll probably tell Liam. And then Liam's like, oh, definitely me. <laughs> and Dan's like, oh, no. Liam, I'm pretty sure you reversed into somebody's car and, like, really damaged it the other day. Oh. <laughs> it might have happened. might have happened. <laughs> no, Shout out to that guy who got his car hit the other day by the Christmas change, man. Apparently they didn't even care, did they? No, they were really, really nice about it. <laughs> guys, like, sweet, I was waiting for an insurance claim anyway. Yeah. <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> All right, boys, what is the future for Crazy for Change? What's uh, the future? Well, I suppose moving into home one and, I mean... As it stands now, like we started Crepes to Change, moved on to another one, and then we're coming up on our third, so maybe a fourth social enterprise. Coconuts mm. for climate change. That's it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> a little coconut van with some water, keeping them nice and, nice yeah, and yeah. wet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Delicious. Um, and also just like helping other like early stage social entrepreneurs. Like We've learned so much along the way, sort of need to like give back that knowledge to other people. That's why we do things like this, and that's why we always meet up with people who want to get stuff started and like tell them like what not to do, like what the ba- the things we've learned along the way so that they don't make the same mistakes. Yeah, and that's that's why we're running the, the Northern Territory Summit, getting young people from the Northern Territory down here to to expand on their social business ideas and yeah it's a bit of a weird thing we're doing next week we're getting uh 12 young people from the northern territory flying them down to melbourne for like a business accelerator we're going to help them like start their own social enterprises back home man you oh. guys are leading the charge stop telling me all these good things you're doing oh, i feel <laughs> terrible i'm just sitting here with a microphone yeah <laughs> we're sitting here just we're giving you guys the platform you guys do the voices well, at least we get to uh show other young people out there what awesome things they can do with their resources so thanks so much for joining us tonight guys just thanks quickly, for having us. next event yeah. real quick what's the next event the next public one is Welcome to Thornbury on Friday. Yeah, Friday, Friday night. Yeah, Friday night, yeah. Nice. Everyone gets That's down next, there. Next Friday Thornbury. night, yeah. Next Friday, it's not yeah. tomorrow. No, week after. Friday, yeah. Yeah, yeah, week after, yeah. Get around awesome. everyone. Liam, Dan, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Thanks uh, so much hope, for having us, hope guys. you've enjoyed it. We're social. You can find Front and Centre by searching us on Facebook. Or on Twitter at Front Centre Sin. That's S-Y-N. Welcome back to Sin Nation. You're listening to Sean and Julza on Front and Centre. That's another show Wrapped up. That's another show gone overtime. <laughs> I can't believe we've uh, not only finished another show, but we are five weeks in, and we've had interviews lined up every week. How good um, is that? That's so good. We've somehow managed to actually get the show together, even though we literally started uh, planning this thing the second we got approved, which was a week before the show went live. Oh, not only have we had five awesome interviews, we've got another seven to go. So look, stay tuned on our social media, uh, as you just heard, front and center on uh, Facebook. We'd love to to uh, hear from you, chuck us a message as our lovely uh, followers did tonight. A few shout-outs. We'll uh, keep that going. Keep the shout-outs coming, guys. We all know you love hearing Sean and Jules say your beautiful names in our beautiful radio voices. If you've just tuned uh, into us, uh, unfortunately, we are wrapping up. You'll be able to catch our out. podcast uh, online tomorrow night or Saturday morning, depending on how productive I Depending am. on how much Sean decides <laughs> to pull his finger out and actually do a job. <laughs> well, yeah, we had a great chat with uh, Liam and Dan Poole. We started Crepes for Change. Mm. And uh, look, and we had some crazy, interesting, weird news at the start about weird things happening in Europe. Jules, I'd just like to uh, quickly bring it back to mm. where we are right now in Melbourne. And Sunny Melbourne. Look, seeing these guys going out there and trying to help homelessness and doing all these fantastic things. And Homie as well, a couple of weeks ago, all, all trying to ease the homelessness situation, help people experiencing homelessness. You know what? It just proves that Melbourne really is the most livable city in the world. Plot twist, we actually are. And uh, again, this week, 
voted number uh, seventh year running that seventh we have been voted the most livable city in the world and it's all thanks to people like this it's all thanks to our listeners it's definitely not thanks to the public transport system <laughs> let's not go there but yeah just I uh, wanted to yeah do that little shout out to uh, to Melbourne it's and- people like people like Christ for Change and Homie that are reducing the homelessness in Melbourne that like you said is making us that much better the best place in the best city in the world and Sydney's lowly 11th sorry Sydney Sorry, Sydney. Look, we've got to get on out of here. We've got, we got trains to catch. We'll we've be, got families to feed. We'll be back <laughs> next week with another fantastic show. Thanks for tuning in to Front and Centre with Sean and Julza on our weekly podcast. What another great show. That was super fun. Don't forget to tune in every Thursday at 7pm on Sin Nation or on our podcast a few days later. We will be interviewing more incredible young people and exploring more awesome, unheard of news. So, Sean... I'm pretty excited. We'll see you then.